Well, welcome again to Touch Heaven Church here located in Canfield, Ohio, and to all of our sister churches, wherever you are in some different countries. We want to bless you and thank you, and we wish you such a merry, merry Christmas to our beloved brothers and sisters in Africa and in India, in Haiti, and in uh, Pakistan, and some other solid areas that we're, we're not really that familiar with where I know they have attached themselves to us. God bless you. I wish we could be there to hug each and every one of you and to celebrate Christmas with you, but uh, this is our time together. Let's cover this in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you for a good word, Father, a word that just burns within our soul, a, a word, Father, that excites us and stirs us, provokes us and challenges us, a word, Father, that opens our eyes and our hearts to the fullness of who Jesus is for us. Jesus, guide us this morning through the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, join in with us. Let us get a glimpse of how powerful and how symbiotic, in a sense, that the three in one is. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, oftentimes, um, many people in the story of Christmas, right? There's been movies made of the story of Christmas, old ones, new ones. Um, there's been children's books galore. There's been um, Bible class stories and studies and, of course, even the reading of the Gospels. And many times, we don't get beyond the revelation uh, for the birth of Christ beyond the baby in the manger, the uh, angels that are shouting Hosanna in the highest, the shepherds that come from wherever they were, the wise men, and often we also know that that story as it's come down is a little bit shaded, um, not quite the quite accurate, right? We won't pick that apart this morning other than for you to know there was most likely more than three wise guys, and that uh, they probably didn't get there right when he was born. It took them a while afterwards, and the baby was already out of the manger, and the shepherds weren't just in the field. And, uh, but when we see all of that, we sort of get stuck, not only in a mental vision, but also in the revelation of who Christ is. So this morning, I just want to touch and open our eyes a little bit about how phenomenal, how really phenomenal the miracle birth of God incarnate in Christ Jesus is. Not just was, but is. And we should understand that as we look at the name and the attributes of Jesus, we understand that this not only opens our eyes to who he was and is and is now for us, because he's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but also gives us a revelation of the Father and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And I'd like us to start off just getting this glimpse of what Paul was sharing in the letter to the Colossians in chapter 2, starting in verse 6. We'll be reading some scriptures 
and uh, we'll be taking our time, but I want the fullness of the embodiment of Christ to come completely alive for you right now. And it starts off saying, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware unless anyone would cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So the first thing that we should grasp as mature believers, those who've moved beyond the baby in the manger and have been celebrating and worshiping and living a life in Christ and converting our lives to be believers in him, is that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. So that when we say that we are born again, when we say and, and, and confess that we are in Christ, in Christ in us, then we must understand that it is because of that little baby that wasn't any less God as a baby than he is now, in that moment was the fullness of the Godhead manifest here on earth. How astounding. And that in him dwells all of this fullness of the Godhead. And Paul cautions us not to let anybody cheat us in our faith through vain traditions, adding things that don't need to be there, taking away things that should be there. There's a cancel culture in the earth today, isn't it? And it's done its best to cancel Christmas. It's done its best to merge it into something that the church was a little bit intimidated of not too long ago, that stores began to take Christ out of Christmas, and that even the Salvation Army wasn't allowed to ring a bell in front of a store because they were touting Christmas. But you see, it's not just the holiday that threatens the world and the evil ones and those that operate in a spirit, uh, in a spirit that is, in essence, anti-Christ. It's not just a holiday, it's the spirit Christ himself. And what that spirit that is against Christ fears the most is that we will realize totally who we are in the fullness of him. So I'd like us to dwell with that a little bit. First of all, we should realize that men are drawn to Jesus by the Father. And no man can access the Father but by Jesus. Let's take a moment and look at the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And in verse 44. Very interesting that Jesus established it so that we could understand this relationship in the Godhead. And he said that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and then I will raise them up at the last 
day. And then interestingly enough, we understand that the only way to the Father and eternity is through Jesus. And in John chapter 14, starting in verse 5, and by the way, that's a very good gospel to begin to understand the relationship that Jews had to come to understand and that every believer should come understand between the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus tells it all, and John records it in this gospel. Thomas said to the Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we see this relationship where, in essence, if we would allow our minds to just clear out the clutter, we see that the power of the Father, the love of the Father, the grace of the Father, the mercy of the Father is drawing men and women, would-be children, to himself. But he draws them through the Son. And so the Son acknowledges that the very first cause, the most important cause, is that of the Father himself who so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Again, we get caught up in tenses and in histories. Why doesn't it say he so loves the world that he gave his only son? It's because we capture history in a moment and we lose the eternal consequences of things. The Father is still drawing people unto Jesus. Jesus is still drawing people unto the Father. Now, I don't know about you, but mine is so clear how the Father drew me. It is so clear, it's so vivid that when I finally read that gospel, trying to figure out my identity and how I ended up believing in Jesus Christ, which was a traumatic understanding for me and for most of my family and really a life-changing event and not so much for the good at first. It was hard, very hard. As I tried to compress this and understand it, I then began to realize that who was working on me, the whole time that I was devouring Torah and, and reading Scripture, Holy Scripture, the whole time that I was practicing traditions and trying to, to find Him through being very good in religion, that at that whole moment, it was the Father drawing me. And then at some point, Jesus captured me. And then He presented me back to the Father not as this wrinkled, broken, confused being, but instead as somebody that had been renewed, washed clean, and transformed back into his image and likeness. Now think of it this way. All of that potential, all of that potential released in the earth, in that moment that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary with the seed of God. Think about that for a moment. That wasn't just, and we already know it wasn't a normal pregnancy. It was beyond and is beyond comprehension. The Father, the Creator, the one who created the sperm and the egg, the one who set forth, and we, when He said, bring them forth and make them in my image and likeness, little, 
did Moses understand when he was writing that word most likely? Or when the rabbis were teaching it, or Frank when he was reading it early on in Jewish Torah studies? Little did we understand that part of that image and likeness was just the beginning of what was going to be fulfilled in the seed of the Father, in the womb of Mary, in the likeness of his Son. And that that would multiply and bring forth many more just like him. The firstborn. And here we come. The first fruits of the manifestation of God on earth. Emmanuel. Not just God with us, but now God in us. And so we begin to understand and don't look at that little baby in the manger anymore as something that, you know, needs to find his way in his place in the kingdom of God. He's the fullness of the Godhead. Was, is, and always shall be. And in that instance, what happens for us when we not only embrace the fact that that baby that came here, God incarnate, that immaculate conception, that marvelous miracle that is beyond comprehension, to which those who cannot get the revelation of faith still scoff, and that those that even do get lost in the story of a baby. When we grasp the fact that that child had all of the fullness of the Godhead, and that in that child was all of the potential for you and I to become, as the psalmist said, as gods. How about that? David said in Psalm 81, we are as gods unto, unto the, the mankind. And that's because we're born again in his image and his likeness. And in all of that potential is all of the authority, all of the blessings and the attributes of the fullness of God from that one little child who had to process, not only on earth, but had the process through the death of the cross, had the process through descending into hell and, and resurrecting and ascending unto the Father, all through that baby, that potential of that baby, then gave birth to a whole new race of mankind, a new creation of which you and I are entitled as members. That's incredible. Isn't it interesting that the laws of God cannot be broken? Isn't it interesting when he said, let's make man, both male and female, in our image, and, and he added the likeness to him, and at that point, I'm not sure how perfect or imperfect Adam was. I've read all the teachings that maybe you've had and haven't had, but I don't think Adam was at the level that we are. I don't think Adam was washed in the blood. I don't think Adam was born again. He was just born. You understand? And so wherein lies that mystery of how blessed we are, of how special we are as a, as a special race under the kingdom of God, neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, one blood, one red blood, one blood washed in the blood of Christ, all in the potential of that little child that was brought to earth in that moment. Have you ever thought and wondered, how did God choose the moment? <laughs> 
I think we think about that all the time and all the miracles that we want or that we had or that we're still believing God for. How does God choose the moment? If we could, if we could figure that one out, then we could market that thing and we'd be done for life. I would never have to preach another message. I'd just stay on that one and never leave it. People would flock to and from from all places. I'd start my own theological seminary. This is how God decides when to do it. What a question. Can you imagine that when God pulled the trigger and said, it's time to impregnate this young girl with my son? Could you imagine that what was it that the eternal God in all of the universe would choose that moment? It wasn't as if that things had just gotten bad for the Jews. They'd been pretty bad. It wasn't that just the people had fallen away. They'd fallen away so many times that you would have thought the Lord would have got bored with it. It wasn't just a moment that required him right at that very moment or else God's plan would have been lost, at least not that we know. So why did God interrupt mankind at that moment? What was it? Well, as I ponder on it, all I can do is come up with some speculations. And the one thing we do know is that no one, nothing, no one knows the exact time that Jesus Christ will come back. And I have a feeling that no one knew the exact time that he would come the first time either. I have a feeling that our Lord Christ once he'd said, Father, I'll go, and the Father said, I'm sending you, he probably had the same anticipation that we have right now for his second coming. What a triumphal entry that will be. What a return that will be. A preparation. And the angels, they've been sharpening their swords, and getting their weapons ready, and waiting for the words and doing their battle like none before as the spirit of Antichrist is doing everything in its power to thwart the second coming of the Lord God Almighty because that's the beginning of the end for him. He knows it. That's when the page changes and all of a sudden it's Christ on earth. So the three in one, how about the Holy Spirit? John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And so much more we could build upon the Holy Spirit. So we see, again, a seemingly symbiotic relationship. It's not really symbiotic in our terms, because that's typically when it's two different species that are learning how to live from each other. These aren't two different species. They're the three in one. But in a sense, it's spiritually symbiotic, because they are so merged and connected through the fullness of Jesus Christ, that you cannot have a relationship with one without him. It's the only way. And so this is essential. 
as we understand the mystery of the resurrection of Christ who was born again and connects us with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And we know that the essence, the substance of what makes us like them through Christ is the glory, right? Father, I give them the glory that I had with you always that they may be one even as we are one. We know that Christ was raised by the glory. We know that God glorified him. And not only did God glorify him, he glorified him again. And when he presented his blood to the Father, the Father took it as an eternal redemption, a sacrifice for each and every one. We understand that the God of creation who created time is outside of time. Time's in God, God's not in time. And so somehow in that embodiment of that little baby, (laughs) that little baby Jesus, the little Yeshua, that little one, somehow in the embodiment of that, God was able to capture a moment in time so that that which was an embryo of the seed of the Father and the egg of the Father, that embryo, That embryo was captured in time in the manifestation of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Do you understand why we are told to test the spirits? And that if any spirit denies Christ in the flesh, then it's of the Antichrist. Because it was that moment that God captured. It was that moment that that the Satan himself attempted to thwart multiple times when he thought that Deliverance might come through Moses, kill all the Hebrew children. When he thought and knew it was coming through Jesus Christ, the Savior, kill all the Hebrew children, the males. Kill them all. And he tried again to kill the promise of the seed of Israel in the Holocaust. And he'll try again. He'll do it subtly and he'll do it openly. He'll do it through politics. He'll do it through false religion. He'll do it through a falling away. He'll do it through a watering down and a dilution through Hollywood and entertainment, through capturing the minds of these generations and children's in games and other things that take them astray. He'll do it through separating and isolating the whole world in the fear of a virus that takes away the very identity of people. Shuts down churches and stops worship. (laughs) Do you know the sound that the devil and the demons hate the worst? It's a worshiping church. They can't stand it. Can't stand it. That's why every Sunday morning, I used to be the first one in, but I have to confess now Sonny Cashbaugh is. He beats me. I thought I was going to get him today. I was on my way about 7.10, 7.15. I said, brother, you want me to pick up? And I could hear him in the wind blowing. He goes, oh, no, no, brother. He said, I'm walking to church. I'm almost there. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> I said, you character, I thought I got you today. But the one thing I do as I get here is I pray. And I pray to the doors. And I say, this is sacred ground. And that anyone who comes through these doors, there's not a demon that can sneak through while the door's open. Not a one. 
This is a holy place. And then when we begin to worship, not only do I see in my spirit that there's no place for them to even hang on with nails that are scratching like a cat falling across the glass in the windows as they're just trying to hang on for a moment. It's as if they get a fire on their tails and they have to go flying and running away as far as they can to get away from the sound. And then you know what happens? <laughs> the angels join in. The angels begin to worship with us. A couple that live here, yes, they do. It's all right. I don't preach about angels often. We've seen them a few times. We hear them all the time. And how about the ones that are in the community? How about the ones that are in heaven? How about when they begin to worship and sing with us? The demonic world quakes and shakes because the people of God are being able to affect a power that they cannot stand against joined by the very forces of heaven above. Isn't it interesting when we get the story of the baby being born, we hear about the angels singing in a chorus. Where did that come from? Huh? You think some shepherd got it? I don't know who got that. I think maybe the Holy Spirit revealed it. The angels singing. One of the most classic songs we've ever had, redone many ways. I've done it myself, Hosanna. Hosanna. God the Most High. God in the highest. Well, the Most High revelation of God, it's nothing new. In fact, it's one of the first revelations we have of God, El Elyon. It comes in Genesis. And it starts all through the scriptures at multiple times. It's in Psalms. So the question is, why is God described as the Most High? And it's a name for Jesus. It's a name that we give to Jesus, El Elyon, Yeshua Elyon, God the Most High. And it's because it refers to His supremacy, His stature, His sovereignty, and it also resonates with the fear of the Lord. I want to read that to us, Psalms 47.2. You see, we get so enamored with the power that God has and the power that we have in His name that sometimes we forget who's in charge. Sometimes we treat the name of the Lord like we do some brand of cereal that we take out of our cupboard for a little snack. For the Lord Most High is to be feared. The Lord Most High, El Elyon, Yeshua Elyon, is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. Most High, a great king over all the earth. Do you imagine that the psalmist, when he wrote that, was a great king? Not over all the earth, but over his part of the earth, he was. And he was to be feared because... The Most High fought with him. And all those that came against Israel feared it and feared him because of the Most High. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth, positioned over all the earth and even over all mankind. What a revelation! What a revelation! Beloved, we preach a lot of gospels. We say a lot of scriptures. Right now, I can't tell you how many people are enamored 
watching for another prophetic word on YouTube, <laughs> looking for the next prophetic word to find our way, looking for who has this next prophetic word that's going to be an eye-opener and rescue us from the doldrums and worries of things that we don't control, including an election. I'm not watching them, and I'm not giving them. I got my eye on the Lord. And I go back to what I said two weeks ago on Tuesday night. God is realigning the kingdom so that we put our eye back on him. And we take it off of all of the noise, all of the voices, all of the people running and shouting about. We put it back on him and we get back a kingdom heart. You see, when we realize that the Most High is a great king over all the earth, then we begin to put our eyes on the great king over all the earth. And all the rest of it is noise. And I can assure you this. As we seek him and his kingdom first, he's going to take care of all the rest. Is that not the word of God? He's going to take care of all the rest. But if we want to deal with all the rest and then seek him, like a box of cornflakes out of the cupboard, We'll get lost in the milk and forget the meat. He's the king over all the earth. Over all the earth. Lord El Elyon, in that little baby, is the revelation of God Most High. In that little baby is the fact that the Lord has it all. How many of you know God has it all in control? Aren't you grateful that no matter what I say or don't say, I can't mess up God? I for sure am. I don't know about the rest of you. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that even if you don't sleep well at night and, and you've got a stomach ache and you wake up in the morning, God is still good. He's fine. Aren't you grateful that God's not surprised? Aren't you grateful that God already knows the beginning from the end. And he's able to insert right into that millisecond that he wants to insert to interrupt the plans of man and change them suddenly. That's where our eyes should be. That's where we need to be. Because if we keep chasing voices and sensationalism and ministries... Listen to me. That's all good stuff. God bless them all. It's time for our eyes to be focused back up here. It's time for us to let our ears be listening here. Sometimes the church needs to learn to be still and know that he is God. There's a time for a Jericho march and there's a time to sit in a chair. There's a time to shout the walls down and there's a time to be a watchman on the wall. There's a time to chase the prophetic word and there's a time to stop and listen for the word. There's a time for all things. I think if we had a message for this new year and there's all kind of messages for the new year. Oh. Very interesting. Some of the ones that happened in the last year are coming back. Those people got rather quiet. The ones in the 
beginning of 2020, said this is going to be the best year ever. God's going to bless you mostly. You're going to have more productivity. You're going to have more treasures in your storehouse. You're going to, everybody's laughing. Those people sort of hit under a rock because people want to hear that. It's itchy ear stuff. Some of it's coming back. Oh, it's going to be a great recovery. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be. What I think is turning, you see, we knew we were coming to a place of next, did we not? God told this church well before the world understood the place of next. Now there's everybody excited about a YouTube thing about China. We knew that two years, three years ago here. It's nothing new. Yes, God's going to deal with the Chinese government. And yes, there's going to be great salvation, and there already is with the Chinese people. And yes, there's going to be great revival in China. Duh. You know what the message is out of this little prophetic house? It's time for the church to be still and know he's God. It's time for the members of the body of Christ to put their eyes on the kingdom of God. Nations come, nations go. Kings come, kings go. But the kingdom of God is forevermore. And we are those who have been born in the forevermore. And if indeed it is our cause to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, then we need to have God's eyes, God's view. It needs to be so much bigger than a little ray of light focusing on our own personal lives in one nation. It needs to be kingdom. Kingdom. Hmm. I won't be popular with this. I know. I don't care. I have to say what I have to say. And I too went through a season recently of repentance unto the Lord for getting so caught up in causes that I forgot to be still to wait on the Lord. That little baby. Isn't it amazing? That little baby. Even the fake news couldn't report on it. There was no news. There was nothing. I could imagine in that barn you maybe had a couple goats. They were probably startled when all those lights lit up. The angels singing. And isn't it interesting that almost all of the earth except for that little patch was asleep and stuck in their own ways and totally ignorant of God's interruption of the moment in time. Beloved, this is how we should be praying. Don't let us be ignorant of the interruption of God in our own time. Don't let us be ignorant. We knew we were coming to a place of next, and we knew that in this place of next, he said he was giving us provision. And we knew that in this place of next with provision, we were going to go and come back, he said. Remember? He showed it to us. He told us to us clearly. And now he's telling us, in this place of next, be still and know that I'm God. I think... In our zeal, sometimes we want to lead the way <laughs> instead of the follow the way. He is the way, the truth, and the light. I think we do much better when we follow than when we try to lead. 
And if I had any word for all of my brothers and sisters that are prophetically out there shouting out all kind of words, how about we put a moratorium on prophecy for a day? A week? How about 30 days? And just let the Lord speak. Huh? Just let the Lord speak. I've been quiet. It hasn't, hasn't been asked. I've been asked a lot. And right when I think, yeah, I got to get it, and the Lord says, shut up and be still. Because you don't know what to say. I say, Lord, if you've proven me one thing, you've proven me that. I'm clueless. But you know what else I'm doing? I'm resting in the Lord because that's another one of the names of Jesus. Yeshua Shalom. El Shalom. The peace of God that passes all understanding. The shepherd, the rohi. The one who tells us that take my yoke upon you. It's light. It's easy. I've come to give you rest. Take my yoke. You know what? That's what the body of Christ needs right now. That's what Christians, on fire Christians in this country need right now. They need a rest. They need to chill. They need to say, you know what, Lord? I'm giving it to you. And you know what else we need to say? No matter what the enemy throws at us, we're going to be just fine. Because El Shaddai, El Shaddai, the all-powerful God, the same word used for under the shadow of the almighty God, El Shaddai, under that shadow, we're supposed to be so defensible that nothing can touch us. I think we get outside of that a little bit. I think we get caught up with too much science, too much theology, too much politics, too much economics. It's hard. It's a world system. We're in it, but we're not supposed to be of it. How do we do that? We make a conscious decision. Our eyes on the kingdom. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in that same Jesus that came as the little baby. That same one with all the embodiment of all the process. Listen to these names for Jesus. As I renewed and refreshed myself in these yesterday, I became so excited. <laughs> and I had to say, Lord, why don't I do this every day? Why don't I take time for the Spirit the Holy Spirit, to renew my mind in the fullness of God through Jesus Christ. Why don't I do that every day? Why isn't that what I run to instead of vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc? Huh? Yeah, my wife put me on that stuff. El Elyon, the Lord Most High. Wow. El Olam, the Everlasting God, the God who came into time and gave us Jesus Christ. God doesn't have a stopwatch. God isn't moved by our times, but yet 
we know that he's perfect. And so when he does come in time, it's a perfect time. And it's for a plan and purpose that's good because that's his will for us. El Elohim, El Shaddai, the God who is sufficient for the needs of all of his people. And Jesus built upon this. The same Jesus who is the word of God, the living word. The one who was revealed to us in what you referred to as the Old Testament and the laws. And the same one who revealed through the Gospels his own word to us. And the same one through the Pauline epistles and the apostles of the New Testament. The same one. He tells us what we should be doing now. If we want to be those who benefit from his sufficiency. Everybody wants to get, what's the formula? What do I do? How do I do it? How do I bring God into my moment of time right now? Well, I'll tell you how. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he shall supply all of your needs. That's how you do it. You seek the kingdom. Can you understand why the Lord is sending out a message to get back and get kingdom focused? And to get the eyes on the fact that we're the ones who are beginning and should be preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Beloved, I've got shocking news for a lot of people. It doesn't matter what a politician says or doesn't say. It doesn't matter what a Supreme Court rules or doesn't rule. It doesn't matter whether there are ballot machines that are fraudulent or not fraudulent. It might matter to them, but it should not matter to us. That is not the principle of our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he's going to take care of the rest. It doesn't mean that we don't do our part, but it doesn't mean that we try to lead God. We follow. We follow. And that takes us to one of these names for the Lord. Jehovah-Rohi. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. Have any of you ever been in a church where the sheep lead? It doesn't work too well. Usually they end up devouring the pastor, and then another pastor. The church splits up. It breaks. People, some of you nodding your heads, been there and done that. Me too. I've been devoured. I've been spit out. Doesn't too good. When the sheep try to lead, Jesus is the shepherd. And let me say something to you. His staff and his rod, they comfort us. Can you see it? I can see it. I see it right now even with my eyes open. I see the Lord God Almighty coming right down the aisle with a staff. Jesus, I see him coming right down. Follow me. When Moses took his staff, stuck it into the water with death behind him and no future in front of him, it wasn't his staff. It was the shepherd, Jesus Christ. And nature parted for him. Do you think it's a big deal for God to fix some bad things here in this country? I don't think so. I think he wants our eyes and ears and hearts back on him for the kingdom. Yeshua, 
Rofi, Jesus the shepherd. He could have come as anything, right? I mean, he could have come as a Marvel comic guy. He could have come as anything. But one of the names he gave himself was Shepherd and calls us his sheep. My sheep know my voice. Beloved, what happens when we're listening to other voices? Jesus told us, be careful. The blind leading the blind, they fall off a cliff. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. Wow. Wow. You know what it means when he's your banner? What the banners meant in, in those times was that's your identity, number one. That showed which army was coming. That showed which nation was there that even had the, the, the colors of the king. But when there was a victory, they raised the banner over it, and now we call them flags. We have a flag in this country, and I'm not unpatriotic. I have children serving in the military. One's here today and one somewhere else, and one just came back from deployment. We're about to have a, uh, a daughter-in-law who's just on her way back from deployment. I have son-in-laws both who served, father who was full military from World War II till he died. It's not about patriotism. It's about understanding about the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. Where are we first? Where's our first allegiance to? Is it to the kingdom? Or is it to any other idol? What is it? God's really been working me about the kingdom of God. How about these titles? I know I've got to speed it up. Jehovah, Rafika. The Lord our healer. How many of us like that one? <laughs> the Lord our healer. In that little baby, in that little baby was manifest the fullness of God to heal. To heal. And Isaiah saw it by his stripes, we are healed. James saw it. Get a hold of the elders, anoint, lay on hands, and the sick shall be healed. Jesus said, cast them out in my name and they'll be gone. He wasn't just concerned about healing a body. He said, I'll deliver the whole soul and the body and the spirit. I am Jehovah. Rafika. How about when the disciples came running back to Jesus? Jesus, we, we're casting demons out in your name. And he gives him this revelation. He said, all authority is invested in me. And when he told us to go, he said, go in my name. You have all power. Wow. Wow. But again, because of tradition, familiarity, because some of us in the pulpit haven't done our jobs the right way. Because of a lack of respect for teaching. Lots of reasons. 
once again, these attributes, these gifts, these powers of God, they're packaged up in little boxes in the shelf. And we take them out only when we need one and desperately want one. When we're supposed to be using them every day. Not just supposed to heal the sick at the moment that someone we know is sick. We're supposed to be healing the sick all the time. We're not just supposed to help people get delivered at the moment someone we know needs delivered. We're supposed to be delivering all the time. We have such power, such authority. You know, one of the greatest visions I ever had, and then it came true, it was of an old lady praying for me. I saw it back in 1980 when I was saved, and I had a countless visions, about 50, 50 some of them, locked up in my home on the north side on Selma. No water, no electricity. Boy, was I having a good time, at least in that end of it. And I saw this vision of an old lady. She had her hands like this towards me, and my name was coming out of her mouth, and she was praying for me, and she was short, and she had a bit of an accent, and it sounded British, Australian. I was trying to really zoom in on it, and, and then it went away, and then I forgot about it. Till I was in Israel. 1994. Got out of a wheelchair was told I'd never walk again. My wife's prayer, a little bit of faith. God visited me in that moment in time. After months of pain, after the doctor put the final stamp and said, that's it, he's never going to walk. After my limbs were swollen and atrophied with no muscle. And then God began to strengthen me. And there I was in Israel carrying a banner that said Yeshua HaMashiach. This time knowing him as the God who healed me. And wouldn't you know, this little lady came to me, put her hands up at me. You, you, you're the face I've been praying for. I was so shocked. I'm looking. I begin to cry. And she goes into the crowd. I didn't even get her name. Might have been an angel. I don't know what it was. But that was the woman. Yeshua Rafika, the God who heals. God who blesses. Yeshua Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Yeshua Shema, the Lord is present. Yeshua Hosenu, the Lord our maker. Yeshua Jireh, the Lord our provider. Yeshua Mekadadishkem, the Lord our sanctifier. So, all of these names, all embodied in that little baby that day, 
manifest on earth, never to be quenched again. And finally this. Revelation 22, 13. We're going to close with this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Beloved, we don't need to improve on that. We can't improve on that. We need to allow him to be what he is for us and to do what he does. You know what one of the favorite slogans is right now? You've probably seen it a lot. Somebody does something and this and that. I saw a guy hit a, a big, long basketball shot. About, I don't know how far it was, 50, 60 feet, and turns around and goes, that is what I do. That is what he does. That is what he does. So, this isn't a somber message. This is a delightful message. God's got it. We need to let go and to let God. And I've got great news for many of you who are watching and many of you who have been on the journey with us through Potashield. Shield. Potus Shield isn't, isn't dead. Potashield Shield is waiting. Waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. And my news to all of you, wherever you're at, chill. Get some rest. Quit being anxious. Don't worry about it. These final words. from a man I loved almost more than any man there ever was. His name was Frank Amedia. I'm Frank Amedia II. He was my grandpappy. Hardly spoke English. And most of those words I can't repeat that he spoke because <laughs> he worked at a coal mine and that's what he learned and that's what he thought was, was the English language. <laughs> Until I went to school, I thought that was the right language, too. <laughs> Last words. He put his hands up as I was in his, next to his hospital bed. He says, don't worry about nothing. Don't worry about nothing. Don't worry about nothing. Amen. God's got it. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus.